Welcome to the Company of Believers podcast. We hope you will be blessed and encouraged by this message. Jesus bless you. Amen. I'm going to I'm going to go um <clears throat> I have a lot to say. I was asked to preach, teach, share on uh, the prophetic, the prophet. There's a lot of different scriptures that we go. I have 178 prepared for you. So if y'all are ready to do a Bible sword drill, we can get started with it. No, I'm going to loosen it up a little bit because I don't want everything to get so serious that we don't have an ear to hear. So I'm going to tell you a, a bad dad joke. I got some too, but... <clears throat> Because I'm from Florida, I'm going to tell one that's kind of relative to my region, okay? And if you know this one, don't spoiler alert it, okay? What did the ocean say to the seashore? Nothing. It just waved. Y'all need some more of that? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, really, here's what's going on, is I just want y'all to know that if we're not having fun in the kingdom, something's wrong. You know, you can take the subject of, of the prophetic or, or prophecy and all of these type things, and all of a sudden the air in the room gets sucked out of it, and you feel like, Nobody knows what to do, but I'm here to make an announcement that this is not something that should be scared. You should not be scared of this. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that we should all covet to prophesy, and you do not withhold or keep anyone from speaking or praying in tongues that does. So if we're all to covet to prophesy, does that mean that it's possible that all will? No, because let's just admit it. In one of the other fivefold aspects of fivefold ministry and evangelism, not everybody wants to go to the street. Right? Not everybody wants to be an apostle. Not everybody really wants to be a prophet. But what I'm here tonight to talk on is not just, I'll get into prophecy, personal prophecy, prophets and pitfalls, the move of prophecy. I can do those things. But I want to talk about the office of the prophet first. Because if we're going to talk about prophecy and profit, then we need to have a, a better, a, hey, it's going to get, I get a little bit passionate, sound team, I get a little bit passionate, so it could get really loud in a second, I don't know who's back there listening to me, it could get, I could get really loud, uh, so just, you know, I'll put it down or whatever, y'all communicate with me if you can hear me, I believe in response, I don't believe in, you know what I mean, I'm not here to show who I am. I'm not. If you want to know who I am, you have to come to my house. Right? You know what I mean? And and see it on a more real level. Okay. I want to release some things really quick before I move forward. We have a lot of leaders that uh, my wife and I, Misty, are surrounded in in Crestview, Florida. They, They are people that we have ordained and anointed, and they are pastors with us there. Now, we are the senior pastors of the Summit Church in Crestview, soon to be re identified as the Southgate. Um, 
There is a very specific prophetic reason why we are going to be re-identified as the South Gate. Um, I don't have time to get into that. However, we have a, a pastor's Joe and Barbara Brown who are with us. They've been with Misty and I running with us for six years. Pastor Joe sent me something that I want to share with you guys. And he was talking about Selma. And he said Selma has five letters. The, letter, the letters total to the number of 50, which means freedom. Got that? Got that. So if we're going to talk about the prophetic, then we'll also talk about the prophetic. We can talk about the prophetic that's going on in Selma. But right now we need to establish the office of the prophet. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, and I certainly hope that you do, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Don't excuse me while I get organized I'm not used to uh, to this okay can I can I just begin to read to you guys if you put this up on the screen behind me um, people could jump ahead I want to do this the same way that Jesus did it whenever he would address people here's the reason why Jesus would say he that has an ear let them hear this is a moment that you engage and lock in Otherwise, you're only going to hear mere stories for the rest of the evening. But if you engage and lock in in this moment, you're going to receive from holy what is holy. So he that has an ear, let them hear. Okay? Can I just read some stories and let's just get into this a little bit. Is everybody okay with that? Y'all don't have a choice. You can just be like, yes. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm just going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do it unapologetically, and I'm unapologetically going to be myself. You can kick me out if you want to, but I'm going to be who, I'm, who I am, okay? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Can we agree on all that? Good, because it's in the Word of God up here for me. Now, we instantly move in verse 7 into spiritual gifts. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says... When he ascended on high, he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill, fulfill all things or might fill all things. 
Say, fill all things. And he himself gave some. He who himself? The one who ascended. Okay. Watch. We're going to get here in a, in a part of unity. John, you've been hearing a lot about unity. You and your wife, your bride, have been hearing a lot about unity. This is all about unity. And he gave, him, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Listen, this is still the qualifications. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men and the cutting craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share Causes growth of the body and the edifying of itself in love. So here we are literally talking about the fivefold ministry. We are literally talking about the fivefold. In this literally talking about the fivefold, we learned who gives these gifts. Jesus. I can show you another scripture where his father gives the gifts. Okay? This is not contradictory because it's impossible for Jesus to contradict what the word is because he is the word. Okay? So now... As we begin to talk about these different offices, we have to understand how these different offices operate. Bo last night was speaking on the office of the apostle. I'm going to speak on the office of the prophet. And to be clear, the office of the prophet is not the same thing as me giving a personal prophecy. The office of the prophet is not the same thing as me going around and and praying for people, laying hands on people in the streets and giving them a word of the Lord. That's not the office of the prophet. That's not necessarily always going to be the function of the office of the prophet. The function of the office of the prophet is to be inside of the family as one of the leaders or one of the elders who is next to the apostle. And their job is what I just read. To build up the saints. Okay. Are you a saint? Okay, let me help. Are you the ecclesia? You are the ecclesia. You are the body of Christ. 
as whichever one of the offices that you want to put me into in the fivefold, if I function correctly, I lose my job. Why? Because my job is to teach, train, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, if the apostle, if the teacher, if the preacher, if the evangelist, if the, if the prophet does what Jesus has instructed them to do, he won't have to worry about the walls of a church and the people in the pews. And that might be hard to, to get to. We'll get there in a minute. We'll get, say, we'll get there in a minute. We still headed down this road, and it's a long path. Okay, let's back up a little bit. I'll just break this down just a little bit more for y'all, okay? I'm going to go into two, uh, verses 2 through 6, and I want to read this a little bit. And I, I just want to bring some things that the, that the Holy Spirit has been saying to me and speaking to me to bring tonight, okay? So here we go. Back, at, back up to 2. So we're still 4-2. What is going to be a sign of any of these that are in fivefold ministry? Let me read them to you. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity in the Spirit. As you begin to read these, do you begin to go, oh, man, I can't check that box. No, can you? Because it's okay if you can't. You see, God judges the heart of men and woman, of a man and a woman. And he says, you know what, I'm going to give you this grace gift. If we back up a little bit, it says that he ascends and descends. This is not one of the same gifts of the gifts of healing. This is not one of the same. This is an ascension gift. This was a gift that was given to men as he was ascending. He said, as I go, I'm now going to let these gifts be imparted into you and operate in all five. And I'm going to give these gifts to men to be in the body for the edification of the saints. So anything that a prophet or someone seated in the office of the prophet, when they give a prophetic word, you can always count on this. It will edify. It will lift up. It can be backed by the word of God. And it will bear witness with your spirit. But if someone that is in the office of the prophet, seated in the office of the prophet, it will put you to work. Here's the difference if, if someone who is operating in the gift of prophecy gives you a word. You'll test it. You'll pray about it. You'll think about it. You'll wonder if it's going to happen. You'll wonder about the timing. You'll wonder when, when, when. When someone who is seated in the office of the prophet, you don't have to do anything. Why? So many times when we have received a prophetic word from anybody at all, Holy Spirit's taken over, sorry, I'm going to go off the pages of my notes. This is necessary. Anytime we have ever received a prophetic word, we have always begun to go, uh-oh, what direction heading is this putting me in? Is this changing my direction? 
Should I allow it to change my direction? Do three things. Take it to the person that is either a spiritual father, your senior pastor, or, or who you trust with this prophetic word. Find it in the scripture and in the word of God. Number two. And number three, do a spiritual check inside of yourself and see if it bears witness to you. If it doesn't meet the mark of any of these, throw that thing away and do not keep it. I know, you received it from so-and-so who received it from so-and-so who received it from so-and-so. But in that moment, you will find yourself trying to fulfill that prophetic word. But when someone who is seated in the office of the prophet gives you a prophetic word, you do not have to. Because more so, they will speak a thus saith the Lord over your life. And that is a direct word of God. And you see, I don't have to do anything for that prophetic word to happen. Why? Because the word of God tells me that I will see to my word to perform it. What is my process then? showing you what my spirit does. When a mature prophet of the Lord who operates and is seated in the office of the prophet gives you a word, you know what? I don't have to be as concerned about this. Because if, if the Lord gave me this word from someone that is seated in that position and in that place, my daddy in heaven is going to see to it to perform it. So what do I have to do? Because every prophetic word is conditional. You want to know what the condition is? You. You are the condition. So what do I have to do? Well, if what brought forth the prophetic word, it could either be to pull me into a higher place or for me to remain faithful and continue to steward what Yahweh has been giving me. And if I'll continue to steward and I'll continue to be faithful with it, I don't have to be narcissistically concerned about when it's going to happen because he is going to see to it to perform his own word. So I just release you by the mighty name of Yahweh of any prophetic word that you have ever received that you have been trying to figure out how to get it accomplished. And I say, thus saith the Lord, that if I said it, relax. I will see to my word to perform it, says the Lord. Sons and daughters, you're allowed to breathe. I'm daddy. I got you. Can you feel that? Okay. Let's look at verse 7 real quick. Because... The scriptures are lit, written in a continuous letter. Bo, you're still in my words, man. I mean, go before me. So if we read it, we would read it like this in, t in a normal sentence structure. Sorry. See, I'm used to the lapel. You know what I'm saying? Thing. Sorry. Can y'all hear me like this? Are y'all recording? Oh, it's going to be choppy anyway. I've already messed it up. Let's just not worry about it, dude. I mean, come on, man. Please, man. All right. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, 
who is above all and through all and in all, but. Don't you love it when the scripture says, but. But to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Have you ever, have y'all, has anybody ever attempted to measure the gift of Christ? I, yeah, I can help you. Everything. He gave all. He gave it. Okay. When heaven sent Jesus, heaven went bankrupt in the essence of value. Bankrupt. All, all the chips are on the table. All the chips are on the table. But the awesome thing about God's sovereignty and how he sees things is that, brother, he can give you a seven and a three and you'll win at any hand of poker. God gave me this prophetic word and I'm just not real sure how in the world is this possibly going to happen. How in the world is this possibly going to It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, so I want to look at 4.8 and then look at A. That's really where I was going, okay? Chapter 4, verse 8, and what we would say is A, just after the but. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave, gave gifts to men. Then as we continue to move down, we actually begin to see what these gifts are. And many translations directly call them ascension gifts. Because these are gifts that were released the moment of ascension. KJV does not. King James does not. ESV will. Passion will. A lot of the other will actually let you know this is an ascension gift. Because a lot of the gifts were already present. But the gifts that were not a present at this, that moment of ascension was the office of the apostle, the office of the prophet, the office of the teacher, the office of the evangelist. Are y'all following me? The office. Had we already seen prophets? Yes, we had already seen prophets. We had already seen these things. But the office. In other words, the anointing of God. You see, the prophet anoints, the apostle commissions. Jesus, operating in all five, released these gifts to the body, to the church, to the ecclesia, so that you may become full-time ministers. Let, now, let that scare you for just a second. Because some of us think that turning a wrench isn't ministry. Some of us can actually believe that if I'm a doctor, if I'm a nurse, or if I'm a lawyer, or if I'm the checkout clerk at the local grocery store, we have Publix. What do y'all have? Piggly Wigglies? Huh? Winn-Dixie. Okay, I'm, 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 if you're one of these clerks at one of these places, I'm not a full-time minister. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true at all. Yahweh actually begins to teach us in Joel. He says, turn your plowshares into, into, into uh, sorry, swords. And turn your tuning forks into spears. Let the weak say that I am strong. We think that all of a sudden at that moment I'm supposed to go get the top shelf book on spiritual warfare. 
that's not it. No, that's not it. Listen to this. As I keep my face set like flint, and I'm a good steward of where Yahweh has me in this moment, I don't care if I'm turning wrenches, if I'm washing dishes at home, if I'm changing diapers, if I'm mowing the lawn, whatever my job is, whatever my place of employment is, as I stay focused like this, He is going to see that all the work that I do, no matter what I do, that the gospel is going to spread and it's going to give me a sword that's going to separate the hearts and minds of men. It's going to give me a word of knowledge for them. Why? Because being faithful to a place, I've gained trust of people that are around me. Now through relationship, I can speak into them. I feel like I should, I can't. I feel like I should spend a little bit more time there because it's we think that in order for us to be used by God, we have to be in full-time, 100% paid, employed by the church to be ministers. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is. It is. As a matter of fact, you are so significant that this is the why he gave us the fivefold ministry. He didn't give us the fivefold ministry so that those in the fivefold ministry would have bigger, better ministries. The fivefold ministries were released on the house of God, were released to the church for you, for you, so that they begin to go do the work of the ministry. It's actually designed in a way so that you can clearly hear from God and then move out. Listen, I, I'm speaking in both teacher and prophetic at the same time for he that has an ear to hear. Okay. Back to the butt. I want to jump to nine. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. What's he trying to fill? Is that, new, is that NKGV? New King James? What is it? All right. I like NLT. Nearly inspired version. Just kidding. Well, it's not the NIV, it's the NIT. Is that what it is? Okay, I messed that one up, sorry. Trying to throw another bad dad joke in there just to cause people to relax a little bit. So in verse 9, we see the release of the ascension gifts of the five-fold ministry. In verse 11, we see, and it's actually listed exactly what the five-fold is. In verse 12, we find out why it's given. We find out what they're actually supposed to do if they're going to function in this office. So let's read read 12 really quick, and then we're really going to get to where the notes get thick, okay? I want to introduce this as as an office, not as as just a simple gift. And and I want to do it very specifically. So in verse 12 is where it picks up. Why the fivefold ministry? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. 
for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. I'm just going to keep on going until I see a period, okay? To and fro carried about with every wind of the doctrine by the trickery of men to the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effectiveness working by which every part does not share causes growth to the body of the edifying of the of themselves in love. Did you notice I literally had to keep going? No period. Man, how many English teachers do we have in there cuz my mom would have just freaked out. See, you got to put a pause in there or something. Like I I needed some wind. Do you want to know why? Because we want to always stop in the fivefold ministry with it's for this reason right here. For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. We want to stop. You cannot stop. A prophet, when giving a prophetic word, is going to give the whole word. He's going to be so cautious about how giving the word is going to withhold nothing and add to nothing. I'm not going to subtract anything. I'm going to deliver it the way that the Lord said to deliver it. So if I'm actually going to operate in the office of the prophet, I've got to also make sure that over here, that I'm going to do everything that it says that lists, that makes it one of the fivefold ministries. Because it would be very easy for me to stop at, to edify the body, to do the work of the ministry. Because most all of that, it's easy for anybody to give a word or say something to somebody that makes them feel good. That's real super easy. I could say things to people right now. I could give people a prophetic word right now. You'd feel great. It'd be like butterflies and daisies. The difference is, as we get further down in it, if I'm truly seated in the office of the prophet, I'm also going to talk about some headspace that you might need to clear. Do we see that? Do we see that edifying the saint, edifying the body to do the work of the ministry also means in order for you to be used by Yahweh in this caliber, I'm going to fix some things in the heart as well. I'm going to fix some things in your spirit as well. I'm not just going to send you out to do work because I don't need you as oxen and just load the cart. We're gonna, he's going to make sure that in, these, uh, office, in the office of the prophet, I'm just going to speak on the office of the prophet, that whenever the word is given that actually puts you to work, it's just not so that you only feel like a laborer. It's also going to be, it, okay, let me change it. Let me do it like this. Your attitude is going to change from have to and need to to want to and get to because all of you is going to be whole. Okay, this is the difference between someone who is in the office of the prophet and someone who just gives you a prophetic word. A prophetic word causes you to go, oh man, I'm not real sure about you. You, you can just keep rolling. I'm talking about personal prophecy. It's what I'm talking about. 
I'm not scared or nervous to talk about personal prophecy. I'm not telling you to judge every word that you've got, but I am telling you to judge every word that you got. Who here has notebooks full of prophetic words? Notebooks full. Notebooks. Go back through them. Where am I right now? What's happening right now? You, 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 can, you can stop with that. That is creating something that's causing you to... It, that's allowing anxiety to grow. It is. It's allowing anxiety to grow. I've been in a, I've been in a place of teaching, that, of apostolic teaching about prophetic and about prophecy and about the, 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 the office of the prophet. And I was there for a very stinking long time. Long enough that eventually I was like, hey, this is what I feel like I want to do. They're like, look, you've already graduated from every college course that we possibly offer here over the amount of time, even though you never went through any of the courses. You've actually been teaching it for a little while. The reason why I say that is, is because I'm, I'm understanding that the body of Christ as a whole and how they understand the office of the prophet and how they understand the gift of prophecy, it's gotten convoluted. Because I'm never going to say that the five-fold ministry is just merely the gift and the ability to prophesy. Because that's just not true. Okay? In the five-fold ministry, the office of the prophet is clearly described as their job description right here. Okay? It's to operate in the house of the Lord. You know what I mean? I almost don't like saying church or anything like that. It's meant to operate inside the walls to train and equip. Okay? And it and, and the job and, and, and keep in mind this is new covenant. This is an old covenant. This is new covenant. Are we new covenant? We are. So the office of the apostle and the office of the prophet should be fully functioning in the body of Christ today, right now, in this moment. But here's the problem. If I brought an evangelist up here tonight and lined up 100 people and the evangelist prayed for all 100 people, and two people got radically healed. We would remember those two people that got radically healed. And the other 98 would kind of forget about. But if you lined up 100 people down here and asked me to give popcorn presbytery to them. And give all 100 of them a prophetic word. And I got 98 of them right but missed the two. I would be judged harsher for the two than the 98 of the evangelist. Why? Why do we do that? I'm, I'm not literally asking for an answer. I'm asking you to answer that inside of you. Why? I know, I know what I just said made you go, oh, it's true. It's true. It's because we haven't been seeing the office of the prophet properly operating as a whole across North America. I've seen it operate a whole lot more in its true office 
in third world countries with dirt floors and mud huts. I have. I've actually seen it operate better there. They have an, a better understanding of kingdom. Apostolic, prophetic, governing authority has nothing to do with who I think I'm supposed to be a part of. It has everything to do with the kingdom of God. And the problem and the reason why we're not seeing these apostolic and prophetic functioning in correctness is because of man. And then the reason why the prophet has then muzzled his mouth and quit speaking is because he has the fear of man. Because man fired him. Man's sitting down the street. So now you have these prophets that are actually hurt, that actually do hear the word of God. They actually do hear the voice of God. They've actually spent the time building a devotional lifestyle that they hear directly from God. They've been to the brook of Gareth, which is the very next place. And then they've been sent to the widow. I'm about to preach and I had no intentions of doing it. But I'm here to tell you that we need to begin to allow our ears to get attuned to listening to those that are going to begin to come out of caves. Okay? Some of them are already present, but they don't have big names. See, they've been in this place called secret. They've been hidden in this place called wilderness. Why do prophets go to the wilderness? Because everybody else is scared to go to the wilderness. I know. I know. The office of the prophet and how it functions in the church, along with the apostle, has a senior role of direction and influence in the body of Christ. The office of the prophet is specifically ordained by God, directed by God's divine appointment, and a prophet communicates clearly what God wants to say. They must never add to or take away. They must never add nor subtract to what they hear the voice of the Lord saying. In 1 Timothy 3, y'all go there with me, if you'd like to. I'm about to just start rolling, I'm sorry. How long have I been talking? Five minutes. minutes. Y'all know what they call me in um, Canada at the First Nations reservations when I go speak to the First Nations and invited by the chief to do a tent revival meeting. They call me long-winded one. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Chief Jean Vier says he has the lungs of a buffalo. Okay. Where, what did, where did I say I was going? I flipped the page before I flipped the page before I got there. Ooh, I had some cool stuff in Colossians to talk to y'all about too. We'll get there. First Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Can I just read this stuff to you? If any of you aspire to be an overseer in the church, you have set your heart toward a noble ambition. 
for the word is true. Yet an elder needs to be one who is without blame before others. He should be one whose heart is for his wife alone and not another woman. He should be recognized as one who is sensible and well-behaved and living a discipled life, a disciplined life, sorry. He should be a spiritual shepherd who has the gift of teaching and is known for his hospitality. But I think Bo is just saying this in common conversation. You're going to operate in one of the five-fold ministries? I don't like it when people come over. <laughs> That's okay. You're just not called to the five-fold ministry. You're not. Did I not just read one? Of, I mean, my, my Bible says the same thing, right? I'm in Book of Opinions, chapter 2, verse 7. I'm in 1 Timothy, chapter 3, and I just read verse 7. Sorry, I read verse 2. He cannot be a drunkard or someone who lashes out at others or argumentative or someone who is simply craves more money but instead recognizes by, is recognized by his gentleness. His heart should be set on guiding his household with wisdom and dignity, bringing up his children to worship with devotion and purity. For if he has, for if he's... Unable to properly lead his own household, well, how could he properly lead God's household? He should not be a new disciple. Are y'all are y'all able to track with me right now? Okay. He should not be a new disciple who would be vulnerable to living in the clouds of deceit and fall into pride, making him easy prey for Satan, or as John Bevere likes to say, the bait of Satan. He should be respected by those who are unbelievers, having a beautiful testimony among them, so that he will not fall into the traps of Satan and be disgraced. I'm gonna, huh? I'm going to give you ten M's to, to knowing if someone, if, how to judge a prophet. You want that? Who's got a notebook? You can write this down. Ten M's. Tell me when you're ready. Manhood. Ministry. Message. Maturity. Marriage. Methods. Manners. Money. Morality and motive. Ten M's. We'll go through it one more time. Give me a B, give me a B, give me a B. Manhood, ministry, message, maturity, marriage, methods, manners, money, morality, and motive. You can judge a prophet by these things. And if you can't put a check mark beside every single one of them, you need to question it. I know. Because it says, receive a prophet as a prophet, receive a prophet's reward, and that the prophet is subject to the prophet. 
if a prophet is subject to a prophet, the prophet that is being subject to, there better be something about him that everybody that he's around says he's above reproach. I see the way he raises his sons to worship the Lord. I see the way that he handles his finances. I see the way his wife is. I see the way his finances are being dealt with. His household is structurally sound. Also, if I were to go out to the streets and ask all of the sinners, he'd be like, no, that's a good dude right there. I may not fully get everything that that dude is saying, but it's okay for him to come into my hood and bring his Jesus that I'm not real sure about simply because I know that that's a good man. Morally, he's sound. No one can raise up a standard against him. I know. Who wants to be a prophet? I know it makes it, it makes it almost a scary office to be in. And I think that it should be. I think that it should be. I think that the office of the prophet, the office, all the fivefold, should be held at such a place of esteem that those that are in it actually have a greater fear of the Lord. The King, the Great I Am, the Everlasting to Everlasting, the Bright and Morning, the Lamb that was slain, is trusting you with something if you sit in one of these offices. And so those that don't should not be scared to lift them up. I didn't say fatten their bank account. I said, I know that sheep just bit a little bit, but I'm with you. I love you. Thank you. I don't see the sacrifices behind the closed doors that you make. There has to be that same esteem that begins to go out. How's everybody doing? Did I just lose y'all right there when we started talking about honor? Y'all need to read Honor's Reward. The difference between someone in the office of the prophet and someone operating in the prophetic. Okay? Let's talk about someone that is seated in the office of the prophet. They're going to prophesy the word of the Lord. Somebody who is operating prophetically does not need to give a prophetic word on major moves, large business endeavors, babies, major decisions, and geographical moves. No, it's the truth. Okay. I'm going to say it the way I want to say it then. Ah, okay, well, we'll just offend if we need to offend. Some that are out there prophesying to people do not need to be giving them prophetic words about major moves, large business endeavors, babies, major decisions, or geographical moves. Because they're doing so that, so that that person will come back to them and tell them how right their word was so that they can esteem themselves above others. Let me tell you about someone who sits in the office of the prophet. When you give the word of the Lord, 
You give it with fear and trembling. There isn't this bowed up chest thing that's going on. Because if you mess that up, buddy, you will answer to that at the white judgment throne. You will. All right. Whew, I don't know why Selma. I don't know why Yahweh chose Selma. I've never shared this in a church. But I'm, I've shared it in people that I, with people that I have more of a covenantial relationship with. Spiritual brothers. Spiritual father. Those that... I'm, but I'm about to share this. I had a vision one night that the Spirit of the Lord woke me up three times. The first time He woke me up, He gave me a passage in Scripture in the Word of God. I opened up the passage in Scripture and read it. I was like, God, what is that talking about? He said, go back to sleep. Sent me right back into the dream. He woke me. I woke up. And, he, and, and every time I said, what are you doing? Every time I went back to sleep, three times in the middle of the night, I went instantly back to the same place. So I'm going to describe this to you. I'll do it really quick because it would take a long time. So archways upon archways upon archways in distances, lines of people dressed in white. Equal, dis, equal separation from the front to the back as the ones that are in the middle to the ones that are in front of you that are behind me. Door is opened each time upon the new person's arrival that was going into a room. And the moment of walking through the threshold of the room, everyone is known and there's no need for an announcement. You're seated at a table. I was seated at a table. And it was a big spread and I couldn't see to the end of the table. But everybody was there. Everybody was there. It was the best service I had ever had. It would be like a, I don't know, an infinity star restaurant. You took a sip, it was full. You took a bite, it was back on the plate. Everything was immaculate. You used the fork once, a new one was delivered. I'm talking about the best service you've ever seen. And the moment that the service was over, the one that was seated at the head of the table said, Now, you foul and wicked servants, depart from me and go away where there will be great gnawing and gnashing of teeth. They just gave the best service that anyone had ever seen. And I leaned to the person next to me and I said, Mighty God. Who are the servants? They were literally the ones filling the drinks. Literally the ones serving the people at the table. Literally the ones that were serving it. And I said, who are they? And the one at the end of the table answered my question to the one next to me and said, the false prophets. I don't know why I was to announce that in Selma, but I was to announce that in Selma. There's been a lot of firsts in Selma, but there's about to be a whole lot more firsts in Selma. Think about that just for a moment 
and let the fear of the Lord come upon everyone who says, I'm a prophet. The prophet brings the fear of the Lord. So feel it the next time you feel parking lot presbytery coming upon you. Consider it. Because there's two ways to prophesy. You can prophesy out of the realm of the spirit. Or you can prophesy out of the realm of the flesh. How you prophesy out of the realm of the flesh is you already have preconceived ideas and notions and heard a backstory and added to it just a little bit. But in this season that we're in where none of you have ever marched before, I forgot, some of us have been through a global pandemic before. Navi prophets are going to begin to rise up around you that have no preconceived notions about what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say. And they're going to be able to just walk up to somebody and have no intentions of giving a prophetic word. Not should about a Honda before they get over to the person. It's just going to be in them. Whoa, God just told me to tell you this. And it's going to begin, it'll, it'll happen like that. I could prophesy something and make sure I don't put, do it in such a way that it has a deadline. So eventually it's going to come true. Prophets of God said this is what's about to happen. No more rain on all of the earth nor dew. What happened? No more rain nor dew. Okay. Did God respond to the word of the prophet or did God give that prophet the ability to command the wind, the rain? Did creation respond to the prophet or did creation respond to the word of the prophet that came from the Lord? Okay. All right, watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, work, I'm trying, Bo. I'm trying real hard. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 30. You are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. God has placed in the church the following. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And then goes on to say all the rest of the gifts without actually naming the gifts, but actually names what they will do. That's interesting. I don't know, does your translation say that too? Does your translation say it too? Actually putting some of those... First apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. Then those with gifts of miracles, giving of divine healing, gifts of revelation knowledge, and gifts of leadership. Not everyone is an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. Not everyone performs miracles or has gifts of healing or speaks in tongues or interprets tongues. But you should all constantly Boil over with the passion in seeking higher gifts. See, you knew, you knew earlier whenever I said, you are all to covet to prophesy. 
And don't reframe anyone from speaking in tongues. But if we back that scripture up just a little bit more, if you're going to, okay, if you're going if you, if you, if to do these things and you're going to speak in these things, there's some other things that are also going to accompany it. There's some other things that's also going to follow it. I've rarely ever seen a true evangelist only operate as an evangelist. Rarely. Because in that moment of evangelism, there also has to be a father's heart for what that person's going to do when they really get healed and they really get touched. What I'm beginning to see more in fivefold ministers, those that I would actually say operate in the office of the fivefold ministry, is that, that they're not so much an apostle. They're not so much a prophet. They're not so much an evangelist. They're not so much a preacher. And they're not so much a teacher as they are a father. A father. You can trust these. And what has happened is the enemy has been able to come in and attack the fivefold ministry gifts, especially the apostle and the prophet, because we've watched some men fall. Fathers of faith fall from these offices, and so now it's not trusted. But Yahweh the whole time has been seeding sons and raising them as fathers. The best fathers are seated sons. And then they don't they are not concerned if I'm going to be a teacher, if I'm going to be a preacher, if I'm going to be an apostle, if I'm going to be a prophet, if I'm going to be an evangelist. Why? I don't have to decide that. I just get to be a seated son. I want to prophesy to the nations. I'm just going to be a seated son. The king of glory is then going to decide, okay, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to do it. So then all of a sudden, do I change who I am? No. I continue to be who I am, just now operating in a different place of authority. And it doesn't have to be an announcement to anybody else around me as to what's going on. God's man of power for the hour. If you operate, those who really operate in these in these ascension gifts, they are not out there boasting about it. They are not out there boasting about it. But let me say this: the ones that are directly around them, they're not share, scared to be a father in it and speak truths. They're not scared to be like, that's wrong, what you just did. Why? Because they were a father first before they were any of these other things. And trust was already gained. Why? Because they passed the ten M's already in that person's brain. When you pass the ten M's in someone's brain, they're not going to question if you're like, nope, don't go that way, don't do that. I know that's hard for some to hear what I just said. But there were certain... Sometimes what you know that you need, you can't get to because of what you need, because of what you know. Sometimes what you know will keep you from what you want. You know too much about this person, you know too much about that situation. So you know the call of God that's upon your life, but you just can't get there because of too many circumstances that you are keenly aware of. 
Why am I saying what I'm saying? I'm provoking you to find who you are. I am trying to provoke you to say, where do I operate in the body of Christ? Because the last I checked in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm I'm to be about my father's business in some way, shape, or form. You want me to help you know how to figure out what you're to do? I can tell you two different ways, but one I really love. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one way of a man that told this to me a long time ago. Lou Engle told me in a prayer meeting back 770. I don't even know if y'all know what I'm talking about right now. Back 7707 before Nashville. Y'all might, y'all, y'all might not even know who Lou Engle is. That's okay. So he tells me, he says, Jason, you want to know how to, to understand the things that you're passionate for and, 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 and what you should go for and lean into? I said, yes, sir, I very much sure would. He said, the thing that if you saw yourself doing, you would weep over it. That began to thrust me into a whole other journey. But the thing that I've understood is that in order for me to be who I am, me and you need to be in unity. The last I just checked according to the scripture. So... I want to be a prophet. I want to be an apostle. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a preacher. I want to be seated in the office of the prophet. I've read all of the requirements and all of that. So if anybody here wants to be that, let me tell you how to get there. You ready? Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then all of these things will be added unto you. As you seek first the kingdom of heaven, you're going to find yourself in a place called glory. Jesus was glorified by his Father in heaven, and that glorification is your co-glorification too. Do I need to go to scriptures in the word of the God? And so as you then are glorified, Jesus is glorified by his Father, then he takes that very same glory and he shares it to you without measure to the same that it was given to him. Why? Why does Jesus then share this inheritance of glory with you and I so that you and I might be one? So as I do nothing other than seek the glory and the presence of God, all of these other things will be added unto me. No, but my sons, my son, my son is over here and he's just not doing right. And I, and I got to get in there and I got to... No, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I want to be able to give somebody a prophetic word that, that lets them know that I just read their mail. Awesome. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Unless you're will, willing to go through the sacrifice of building a devotional place... If you're, you're not going to get to the place where you're actually given prophetic words that, he, that, that, that daddy's actually going to legitimize it. Okay? How's everybody doing? Y'all wondering who this crazy guy is from Florida? This okay, John? How... I feel like I'm supposed to talk, but I did have one more scripture mark, so I'm just going to read it out to you guys because it's one of my favorite ones. The part where it said that he ascended, but he also descended, but he descended that he might be able to ascend, and that he led captivity. He had captivity captive. He held captive captivity. He held captivity captive. 
I just got to read y'all this, and this is out of the Passion Translation. I just want to read this to y'all. It's one of my favorite things to read. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and every authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we experience circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and has now extinct and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. He has an ear, let them hear. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means that we were raised with, with him when we believed God resurrected resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm, the realm of death, describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He counseled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has now been replaced onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principles of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon of all their spiritual authority and power to accuse you. And by the power of the Christ, of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession. They were his prisoners. He was not theirs. My Jesus, your Jesus goes and does all of this like the keys are going jingle jangle right here why every time that the enemy tries to tell you who you're not he reminds him can't accuse my son that way I removed your ability to accuse jingle jangle he locked them up so he comes back up and then before he goes to be with his father, he does several things. He appears. He does several things. But then when he finally goes, he drops these ascension gifts. And he says, you see, I have the keys to something now. And I'm going to give these offices to men. And I'm going to do it for you and 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 you. And I'm going to do it so that you be activated in your ministry. Not so that they get activated in their ministry. I'm going to do it so that your smile brings the next one to the saving grace of who my son is. I'm going to do it so that the next time you go to the streets, you can optimize somebody and cancer is going to fall out of their body. I'm going to do it so apocatastasis can really happen. 
I'm going to do it because my son is held in heavenly places until the restoration of all things. And half of our problem with not being able to receive correction or any type of guidance from someone who is seated in the office of the apostle and the prophet. Ooh, Holy Spirit, just check me up. Because we've become proud of what we're able to do. Jesus didn't give band-aids. Jesus never passed out a band-aid. We have passed out band-aids. Apostles and prophets don't pass out band-aids. They give you the truth, leave it or take it. They're humble enough just to walk away and let you receive it. Or not. The Holy Spirit is bringing these gifts back to the church. Stop looking for the big name. Stop it. Stop looking for the big name. You want it to be the big name. Yahweh says, I don't, I don't need the big name. I need the seated son that's become a father. I need the one who's rooted and grounded. Operates in the spirit of truth. No fear of man. Ready to do my bidding. This is how he's speaking. And it's going to offend some people. It's going to offend people all the way around, everywhere, up, down, in the streets, outside of the streets. It's going to offend some people. But, you know, Jesus was very quick to be like, well, you know, you thought that offended you. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, I'm not, I'm not like trying to tell a joke right there. Imagine telling that to masses that are all of a sudden following your mega church ministry. Yeah. Oh, they tried to make Jesus king too. And what did he do? Run away to the wilderness. That is not for me. I'm not. mm. These have been ones that's actually been trying to avoid the office the whole time. These are the ones that are in that place. The ones that are in, being seated in these offices, and the, uh, I'll just speak to the office of the prophet. The, one, the ones that are being seated in the office of the prophet have dodged it their whole entire life. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to operate in it. I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm, I, I, I'm not taught enough. I'm not trained enough. I, ha- I, don't, have, I don't have the thing. I don't, ha- I, I don't have it inside of me. That's exactly why I'm going to use you. I don't need you to know anything for me to use you. I just need you to be scared enough of it that I can.
hope that I didn't convolute the situation here with bringing that that way with the office of the prophet. I didn't have a whole lot of time, and I was asked to talk about the office of the prophet. You give me five days, and I'll break that joker down in other ways. But you know what the other thing is? The Holy Spirit didn't tell me to give you five days. But it's there. And the answers are there. We've just been looking in all the wrong places. We have. I speak to a birthing pain right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to a pregnancy that seems like it's been taking way more than nine months. I speak to the very thing right now that's been growing inside of you, and you had no idea whenever that thing was going to be birthed. I speak to that right now. I speak to it as if it were in seed form, but understanding it's about to manifest in its nature, in its content, in its purposes, and for such a time as this. I speak that right now into this house, into this place, and for whoever that is. You can grab that and take that. I don't care. I don't care if you think that I totally just missed it. I'm the guy that stands up on benches and yells, come, in the middle of Brazil. I don't care. Listen, hear the voice of God clearly. Quit relying on others to be your Holy Spirit. Real fathers and the purpose for the apostles and the purpose for the prophets is to teach you how to get your own oil. If you don't have your own oil, go talk to said apostle or prophet and find out how you do. Apostles and prophets point you to encounter, not living off of my experiences. Apostles and prophets are willing to point you to the place of self-discovery versus your discovery or their discovery becoming yours. What does that sound more like? A father. I don't want my two boys to live off of my experiences and my testimonies. I want Ethan and Landon to have their own oil one day. It's because I have a transgenerational consciousness. What I'm building and what I'm doing is not for myself and my own ministry. What I'm doing is for the next generation. It's for the next generations that are going to come. I'm going to leave them legacy. Can you leave legacy where you are right now? Can you leave legacy where you are intentionally positioned or is everything going to burn up with you? Is that seed of revival that was inside of you, did it die back then and you've been trying to find it ever since? Or are you going to live a lifestyle of revival? Not because you're trying to see revival through the lens of the kingdom, but you're seeing the kingdom through the lens of revival. 
Revival is seed form of the kingdom, and of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not an organized event. It's just something you walk in. I don't need a good worshiper or a good evangelist to make me feel like I'm in revival. I just so happen to carry this glory with me. It's not my problem that you can't see it. I know. We've read the top shelf books on all of these things. We're the most educated. But take me to a place where there's a witch doctor. Take me to that place. This is how the body of Christ, how every, how the ecclesia. This is what's going to happen to them as the five-fold ministry gets activated in the church. As, prof, as the, those that are seated in the office of the prophet actually begin to behave like fathers. As apostles actually decide to sit down and raise up sons. It's, it's what's happening. It's what's happening. I know. Man, this guy will talk to the wind. I warned y'all. I, I, you were warned. Long-winded one. Lungs of a buffalo. I called down people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit whenever I was in that same place in Cold Lake, Canada, in that tent revival meeting, and nobody came. And I thought that I had missed it. And uh, while I was there... I was looking out and I was like, nobody's responding to this at all. And so I just wanted to loosen the room and I just wanted to be relational. I just wanted to be real and I wanted to be vulnerable. And as I got vulnerable, I just said, you know what? I'm going to tell them what my prayer language was that I received when I was five. So I just said it. Ki na na na, si na na. I said, it's okay. This is for you as well, if you want it. My problem is, I didn't receive my prayer language when I was old and gray-headed. My problem is, I've had it since I was five. Nobody can tell me it's not real, and nobody can tell me that it doesn't exist for today. I received it as a child with the faith of a child when I was a child. I've then had to reconcile why. This little old lady comes up and she snatches the microphone out of my hand. She turns around and she looks to him and she said, You stop behaving the way that you are right now. Stop denying what you're hearing. Say it again. Ki na na na, si na na na. Ki balaka laka na na. You hear what he's saying. It's our Cree native language, and it means do not deny the Spirit. No, listen. I'm not telling you that to toot my own horn. I'm telling you that 
Because what Yahweh has placed inside of you, regardless if you have black hair or white hair or gray hair, regardless of what you think or feel, the Word of God is inside you like fire shut up in your bones. And if you'll just begin to open your mouth and activate in the gift that Father God has given to you, you are going to see the rest of the cosmos saved and the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters sure do cover the sea. And it's because my glory touches with your glory in perfect unity. I can't just talk about the office of the prophet without beginning to encourage you to begin to do the work of the ministry. You just got to tell me when to be quiet. I'll keep going. Let's pray. Let's pray for just a second. Can we do that? I want to check my heart because I really had a lot more notes, but I feel like I said what I needed to say, and I think the right thing was said to the one that needed to hear it. Do I need to pluralize that for you so you don't look around the room and figure out who it was? God sees over the word to perform it. I don't have to worry about it. I just, just deliver, just deliver. Come on, can you pray? Don't pray a religious prayer. Thank you, Lord. I think you can begin to hear things right now. I think you can begin to see things right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm going to begin to answer some things that I hear. You've been asking for what's next, but you haven't been thankful for where you've already been. Yahweh's not going to show you what's next until you're thankful for what he's already done. You need to begin to thank him for where you've been. Father God, I ask that you begin to activate the body of Christ. I ask that you begin to activate, activate, activate. I speak to the revival that's meant to the streets of Selma. I speak to the buildings. I speak to the commerce. I speak to the politicians like I speak to the businessman. Come alive. Come alive. You will no longer be called desolate cities. You will no longer weigh in desolation and look like you've been downtrodden and destroyed. I'm going to cause the nations to be attracted to you. I'm going to turn wandering into wondering. I'm not asking everyone to sing this song, and I don't want everyone to start singing this song because this is meant for someone, and this is going to be a healing agent. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to
begin to bubble up inside of you. I speak life to to everybody that's in this room. I speak life to every ear that's within the sound of my voice. I speak calling. I speak purpose. I speak destiny. I break off fear in the name of Jesus. What you've been seeing going on all over the world is not meant for you to carry. I break off the fear to even feel like you can move around. I break that right now in the name of Jesus. You're a son. You're a daughter. You've been doubting the reasons for having an entrepreneurial spirit in the midst of a pandemic. And so I speak to that entrepreneurial spirit and I say to you right now, You know what? I'm going to quit playing games and acting like I don't know who he is. God doesn't call one. He calls them both. He doesn't call one. He calls them both. Looking for provision, the Spirit of the Lord says to the two of you, you have not because you've asked not. Don't everybody get scared. I'm not going to prophesy to everybody in the room. But I will touch hearts that have been tenderized. I'll come for the one. The two. John, there's a reason why I keep saying John the Beloved to you. And you know what it is. I'll be as careful as I think I'm supposed to in this moment. You've been saying, can I just crawl up in your lap for a little while? I'm carrying some things. I just need to hear your heartbeat. His answer's never changed. Our proximity has. Proximity fixes everything. One plus one equals one. Thank you for listening to Company of Believers podcast. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to sow into this ministry, please go to www.companyofbelievers.com and select give. Thank you for listening.